You are listening to Hound's Tooth Heroes, the Sark Week edition. My name is Greg Dawkins, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Ellis Metz. If you are new to the program, you can find us on the website at houndstoothheroes.com, on Facebook or on Twitter at htoothheroes. One quick special thanks to last week's guest, Carter Spires, of Pete Carroll Was Right, the video cast that is an integral part of the Houndstooth Heroes global conglomerate. We would urge you to give those fellows a look this week because they're going to have some hot, hot takes. Also, quick props to front of the program, Bill Howard, and the good folks at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce. In addition to their classic wing sauce, you can now find sweet and spicy and Carolina ghost pepper at wildbillsauce.com or anywhere Bama-wise products are sold. We're told they're available at most Alabama Publix, Winn-Dixie's, and The Pig. So be sure and take a look for it. That is correct, Gregory. And also one big thanks to our friends at Druid City Brewing. Bo, Elliot, and the gang always keep us in the tastiest of suds when we get that way. Stop by and see them. Uh, Sundays, we've been told now, are emo nights with Tyler. You don't want to miss that. So even if it's not a good, even if it's not a game day, uh, you're going to want to be there and hang out with the good folks who hang out there. Gregory, Happy New Year, pal. Happy New Year to you, my friend. How are things? Thank you, sir. Things are as well as can be expected for us here. Uh, we're, we're coming off a big 2016, I gotta say. We, we grew the Twitter population. One of us is in the process of growing the family size, and you moved out of the country. So I wanted to ask, how was uh, a rockin' New Year's Eve in Guatemala? Loud as hell is what I can tell you. It's loud as hell. Uh, Central America loves them some things that are loud. Um, I've never, I, I came home a little early. Uh, I'm not a big New Year's Eve guy, but I wanted to go out and see what it was like anyway. Um, it was loud. Uh, fireworks, I, go, I finally got home and Steve was terrified. My mm-hmm. dog, Steve, you don't know Steve, that's my dog. He was terrified. We got in the bed and honestly, it felt like we were under siege. Um, it was like, it sounded like literally somebody was trying to come into the house with gunfire. It was nonstop and literally nonstop until five in the morning. And then it went on the next day. It just never seems to stop. Huh. Uh, occasionally I still hear fireworks today. So uh, yeah, um, New Year's Eve in Antigua Guatemala is uh, quite the deal. Uh, it's not as big, I understand, as Semana Santa, which is uh, Holy Week. So that's going to be a complete mess. So looking forward to that. A, a whole thing is what you're telling me. A whole thing, a whole, a whole thing. thing. So well, I'll be going to As I said, a big 2016, and we had many wonderful podcasting moments, as as our listener many. obviously remembers fondly. Uh, I wanted to ask, did you have a favorite 2016 moment? But I'm going to start with mine, because it's, it's kind okay. of a two-parter. I gave the previous shout-out to Druid City Brewing, and there was a moment uh, the weekend of the Texas A&M game when I pulled in Tuscaloosa, listener Fred in the passenger seat, and uh, when we walked up to the the brewery, listener Fred was just a true celebrity there. It was like people wanted to just shake the man's hand who has put up with as many episodes of this podcast as he has, and then, uh, and then of course, we had him make a special guest appearance on the pod, 
which was pretty special as well for the Iron Bowl. So that's your favorite moment? That, that's probably my top, yeah. That's the only good moment we've had, dude. You took the only good one we had. The I really rest can't of this think pod of another, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing good about this pod except for Fred. I mean, the, the people who, after that, that episode, people were like, Bring us, give us more Fred. We want more Fred. All the Fred. Like, dude, seriously? I do this every week. And I love it Simultaneously, Fred. our only listener and our only uh, requested guest host but on that note probably time to ask uh what kind of cold libation you're enjoying tonight oh dude i am yeah as you know uh central america guatemala in particular is uh, known for its uh, its rums so i'm trying to whip my way through all the rums uh which is you know uh, doing wonders for my liver uh and right now i'm on the botran uh, eight years. There's also a, a Botrin 12 years, which I'm sure is significantly better, but I'm poverty stricken here in Central America. So I'm on the Botrin 8 right now, and I've got to say, if the 12 is any better than this, I don't know if I can handle it. What about yourself? Man, that's next level. Um, well, as you know, based on personal traditions, tried to find something this week that would have some sort of South Carolina tie, which I have to say was a challenge until I remembered that deep in the dark corners of my vast liquor cabinet, uh, there was some bottle that had been nefariously obtained. I can't quite remember the details, but when I got home, there it was, a half-drank bottle of uh, Firefly Sweet Tea Vodka. So if you hear me gasping and hacking later, I'm, I'm stomaching this at the moment. Not proud of it, but hey, uh, what works works, so here we are. Hey, we've all had our shame cycles. Thank you. Uh, but before we talk about uh, anything else about the news of this week, let's rewind a little bit. Remember how we found ourselves here last weekend. Your Tide traveled to Atlanta to take on the Washington Huskies in the college football semifinal and prevailed 24-7 in a game that, in my opinion, was a lot closer than the score. You would agree or disagree with that? Frankly, I kind of disagree with that, but it's – Strictly because uh, I'm an arrogant Alabama fan who has hashtag had some drinks at this point and, mm -hmm. and had also hashtag had some drinks Saturday. I just never, after like the first probably two series on each side, I just thought, well, this, this game's over. Uh, it was sort of everything we had not wanted to believe because we're, we're true believers in the process, but everything we had heard about Washington, that they were just too small, that they weren't. Uh, athletic or fast enough to keep up with our team, or fast enough, is the right <laughs> word, but athletic enough to keep up with our guys, uh, I thought was true. Probably my main takeaway from the game was the game plan itself, which actually I didn't hate, although I think it puts me in the uh, strict m minority there. Uh, one interesting note is that the first play of the game from offense was not a jet sweep which has to be one of the few times we've seen that this season. Uh, we didn't see the first jet sweep until I think the third quarter, which was bizarre, although may have missed a couple. Yeah. Um, but no, overall, I mean, I thought the offensive game plan was to put 20 points on the board, limit turnovers, and walk away with a W, and I think that's a check, check, check there on all. What were your thoughts? Well, I thought it was, there was a lot of curiosities. Uh, most chief among them was the decision to put Star Darius in backfield. I mean, I know he played a little running back in high school, but that play late in the first quarter on third and six was a head scratcher. 
Uh, and honestly, there were a lot of head scratchers last week. As usual, Lane Kiffin decided he was just the cutest boy in all the Georgia Dome and had to get away from what worked against an overmatched Georgia defensive line. I mean, I, I, I thought you I understand what you're saying about the play calling and the, the, the and all of that. But it, there were just a lot of really weird things that happened. There were. There were predictable things and, and unpredictable things, I think. Lane being cute, very predictable. Cam Robinson started off the first quarter with his allotment of false start penalties, also predictable. Right. Uh, I, I thought Jalen Hurts ran the ball entirely too much. Um, could uh-huh. be a sign of things to come because I think that's a weapon we probably haven't exploited as much as we could, but running the damn ball seems to not be in our coach's uh, interest right now. And then lastly, I thought maybe the most curious was just our not having an answer for a rugby-style punter who seemed to get the bounce kick after kick after kick. Uh, We have poor true freshman Trayvon Diggs out there. He's from Maryland. His brother plays for the Vikings. Highly touted. Um, It's just so hard to replace Eddie Jackson, who I just want to put out there that we never doubted. Not a, never, not a, not, not, not a, once on here. I'll say that much. Uh, Always, he, he has proved irreplaceable, at least on special teams. I think our defense is making gains, but on special teams, we're still stuck with there. Uh, and then, lastly, maybe the most curious happening of all, uh, a play that really changed the game came from one Tony Brown, uh, the track sprinter mm-hmm. who has spent a large portion of his time at the Capstone. Uh, living in Coach Saban's doghouse. You know, defense was playing fine to start the game, doing their best, but Washington uh, obviously came out of the gates and scored a touchdown quickly, and they were getting yards, including that beautiful fade to score the aforementioned touchdown. That really was a hell of a pass. Um, But then in the second quarter, they tried to run a little screen play. I want to say it was third down, and Tony Brown came out of nowhere Stopped the guy cold, made a great tackle. It was one of those where our whole defense kind of swarmed him after the play. And really, the Washington offense uh, wasn't able to accomplish anything else the rest of the day. So that surprised me. Uh, What I'm wondering now is if you'll surprise me by rating the game in an emoji. In an emoji. See what I did there? (laughs) All right. Well, okay. I will will, do an homage, if you will. To Bo Scarborough, and my emoji of the week is the running dude. Uh, from what I understand, and I, you know, I like you said, I hashtag had some drinks, but I think that uh, Bo Scarborough broke of all people out in the just out of nowhere. Bo Scarborough is a thing, and he broke the Alabama running back record for bowl games. Uh, he, I can't remember the exact number, but it was in excess of I think 180. Uh, so yeah, uh, my emoji is a running dude. What about you? Running dude is a strong play, and I think it was right at 180. Heck of a day from him. Uh, I'm gonna go the the nail polish painting. I don't know if you're familiar with this one, uh, but okay. as I said, there's a certain amount of arrogance and kind of diva prince princess business as usual. And that, that's just how I felt all day. It was, it was a true blue blood you type just, of feeling. You was a pretty, pretty blonde boy painting your nails that's all That's exactly day. what I was. Even at the point, and I, I, I can't remember the dude's name because I literally have no idea who he is. But maybe the Affleck trivia question or, or somewhere in the coverage, they did a big special on the winningest coach in Washington history. Never heard of the damn guy. Uh, because you're 14 years old. 
I swear to God, that? everybody in America has heard of Don James. I don't know a Don James. Too busy painting uh, my nails. Right. A fair, a fair, fair, fair. All right. Well, with that said, I guess we may as well move on to the big news of the week, which is the departure of the lane train. Choo-choo. <laughs> Despite his comments to the contrary, yesterday it was announced that Lane Kiffin will not be with the university in Tampa for the championship game. You got takes on that? I guess. It's been a bizarre unfolding, and I don't feel great about it. But, yeah, of course, initially Lane said he might be in the press pro- press box and wanted to do whatever he could to help the team win. I think that probably stemmed from a conversation with Coach Saban, where Coach Saban said, Lane, you will be in the press box and want to do whatever you can to help the team win. Uh, later, it was reported that NCAA compliance put a kibosh on that whole plan, uh, which also makes me think Nick Saban may have told the NCAA, you will put a kibosh on this whole plan. <laughs> but um, judging from Coach Saban's comments in the press conference, it, it just wasn't something that he really had time to deal with. I don't know exactly when their relationship turned as sour as it did. Obviously, we all had great laughs about the ash chewings, and even Lane seemed to laugh about them at the time. But boy, howdy, has it turned sour. Um, The initial comments that Lane wasn't able to handle his coaching duties at FAU as well as his offensive coordinator duties at Alabama uh, seem to perhaps ring a little false because of Kirby Smart managing to handle both just fine uh, with, frankly, a much bigger plate on the table last year. So I think it can be done. Lane probably just isn't the guy to do it. So I think a lot of shade his way. And I got to say, listener Charlie, Charlie Pond out there, made a great point uh, earlier to us that should Alabama lose this game, God forbid, but let's just entertain some some theories here. Uh, I think Gumps will never, ever, ever forgive Lane Kiffin for the distraction he's caused this week, uh, which Whatever. could be entertaining. Whatever, it gives us somebody to blame, man. It, it could bring Alabama and Tennessee fans together in a way that, that history has never seen. Exactly. And so just like that, Steve Sarkeesian moves in as the offensive coordinator exactly one week before the national championship game. Like, that's not a big deal. I don't think anybody's doubting Sark's abilities as an offensive coordinator. But here's the deal. It's the only voice Jalen Hurts has heard his entire college football career. And Lane Kiffin's gone, and now he's got this new guy calling plays. And here's my question for you. Do we even know if Sark can whistle? Because you know how, like, Lane would whistle, mm-hmm. and Jenna would immediately recognize the whistle and turn around? I mean, if, if Sark can't whistle and Hurts can't hear it, what the hell? What, what happens then? I mean, thoughts, concerns, grave misgivings? What do you think? <laughs> Frankly, the only thing Alabama fans know for sure that Sark can do is pick a booger and eat it. Right, he can do that. Yeah, can do so that. But really, honestly, that, have, there you is tried, have you ever tried to eat at the Georgia Dome? I'd rather eat a booger. <laughs> you know what? That's a great, great point that I hadn't thought about. Uh, frankly, if I had to sum this up in three words, I'd say, not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> I just think this is a huge, a huge deal. I know people have played it down, and people have said that Sark and Lane are very similar. I saw an interesting piece. I think it was the long story that maybe Fox Sports did on uh, Lane Kiffin house hunting in South Florida where he said, you know, if you told us it was 
third and goal from the four-yard line and you locked me in a room and locked Sark in a room, we would come out with probably our top four plays the exact same. So I think in that sense, it's comforting, but I just can't imagine an offense that hasn't gotten to work with Sark personally. I mean, he's been locked away in the booth, on the sideline, in practice on the sideline, I think, uh, and just hasn't gotten to interact with players at all. And I can't imagine, especially as you pointed out, a true freshman quarterback making that adjustment really smoothly. Uh, so frankly, I, I, I think it's not great, Bob. No, it's not great, Bob. And But I have one thought about that. Davo, and God love him, made a comment that, you know, it's not – Touching on your concept of you know they're gonna they're gonna basically call the same four plays in the same situation, but Dabo was like, yeah, it's not like they're gonna line up and, and try the triple option. My thoughts are first play out of the gate, run the damn triple option. The triple option. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, and and Saban made mention of Dabo too in his press conference to say that he wasn't gonna call them to tell them what we were gonna do, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, how significant do you think it is? Uh, to have the benefit that the other team has never seen a clip of this coach with this team. Interesting. I don't know. Um, as you said, they're going to, I don't think that it's a huge lane and, and Sark are about the same guy. I, I think Sark runs the ball a little bit more than lane does. And I don't think Sark needs to be the prettiest boy in all the, in all the land. So maybe uh, aside from new situation and all that going on, I think long term it's a good call. Uh, I'm just terrified of you know making the move nine days before the national championship game. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, with that, are we ready to get to the aforementioned national championship game? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, the tide, your tide, travels to Tampa on Monday, January 9th at 7 p.m. God's time to take oh. on the Clemson Tigers in Raymond James Stadium, which I understand the kids today call it the Ray J. Uh, Gregory, I know you will be repping the Heroes brand, hashtag brand, there at the Ray J. Uh, you staying at your usual clothing optional resort down in, in Cigar City or what? It was a close, it was a close call, my friend. Mm. But you are correct. I made a last-minute audible, and yours truly will be in Tampa for the game. Uh, looking forward to seeing or meeting any heroes that are in town. I'll be the one doing my very best to reenact a particular line from a Jason Isbell song called Traveling Alone. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's something amiss in your life. Turn off this podcast and turn on some Isbell. It took me a second, but very nicely played, and i got to say very jealous. Uh, Want to get to the game, but at this point in time, in the year 2017, because that's where we are, uh, I just feel one cannot address Clemson football without discussing a topic that, frankly, we already devote a fair amount of airtime to anyway, and that is hashtag butt stuff. And it doesn't even involve Arkansas this time. Ooh, Ooh man, went there. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. In fact, it involves uh, the aforementioned Clemson Dabo Tigers and a, an incident that happened during their playoff game against Ohio State, in which there was an Ohio State ball carrier on the ground. Uh, I think he had been tackled, which is amazing that Clemson white linebacker Ben Bulware tackled somebody. He had been tackled by Bulware, and another Clemson Tiger just comes up and, and just starts putting fingers in the Ohio State guy's bottom. 
Dude, uh, four deep. He went four fingers he, he deep. He went four fingers that. deep, which we'll get to. Um, really, yeah, the play it ended. He goes down there. He grabs around for a while, and then he just starts going in, going to town. Uh, so cold. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, about that incident, here is noted white linebacker. I think everyone knows how we feel about about that. Uh, well, hey, noted you mean, white I was linebacker. a white linebacker. Say what? I was a white linebacker. Get off my ass. There, there are three acceptable white <laughs> linebackers in this world, and they are named Gregory Dawkins. Right. Uh, Dylan Lee and Keith Holcomb. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. A, that's Every other white linebacker is a scourge on this earth. But you've got some pretty esteemed company. I got to say that is, that's exactly right. Uh, on on that aforementioned incident, here is noted white linebacker Ben Bulware. He said, "Quote: You get very comfortable around each other. I know there's going to be that one person who says." Well, I played football, and I never did that. I think there's more than one bit. Uh, going on, he said, you either sucked at football, you had no friends in the locker room, or you were the person that went in the bathroom stall to go change because you were scared to shower with the team. We do that stuff just to have fun out there. Yes, Christian went about four fingers deep. He went a little far. But when I'm just messing with somebody, poking them in the belly button or grabbing somebody's butt, it's just to break up the seriousness of the game. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. First among them, if noted white linebacker Ben Bulware ever even thinks about touching my belly button, it's war. I, I just want that on the record. There's no talking after that, only catching these hands. Secondly, if the measure of a man's friends consists of measuring how many of their fingers go into your b-hole in a locker room, no thank you, the hardest of passes, I'll have less friends than Darren Rovell. DGAF. Thirdly, I'm convinced that noted white linebacker Ben Bulware will receive the biggest beatdown of any individual Alabama has faced this season, and that includes the poor Allen kid at Arkansas, as well as the poor Vol fan who Bo let talk to the hand after his touchdown. Just just absurd amount of takes about this damn white linebacker, but here we are. Got a little worked up. Uh, Gregory, thoughts on the whole four deep incident? Dude, I was two minutes away from booking a room at a clothing optional resort with another guy. So I really got nothing on this. I got nothing on this. Shout out to Fort Torrance. We're not going to be naked anymore. Uh, I hate to hear that, but... uh, Right, I know. Yeah. But yeah, I have no no room to talk. I was almost in a nudist resort in Tampa. So, you know, here we are. I mean, that's a great start of a country song. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving along, because I just got a text from listener Fred who requested less butt stuff on the podcast. Uh, so here we are. So despite what noted white linebacker Ben Bulware may think, there is a football game rapidly approaching. Give me your initial hot takes. All right, yeah, I got a couple of preliminary thoughts. Clemson is a very good team, and Deshaun Watson is a very big, a very good quarterback. But remember, it took him four touchdown passes last year to keep them in the game. Our defense this year is better than last year's, in my opinion. So I don't see that sort of production from him this time around. That said, we have a freshman quarterback who is prone to interceptions, fumbles, and running before he should, and with an offensive coordinator with nine days on the job. And we have an offensive line that suddenly can't contain anyone. So Hertz could begin for a long day, um, but I don't know. With that said, Ellis. Initial thoughts, takes, divine inspiration. What do you got? 
I've got takes always, and this may surprise you and listener Fred alike, but I don't really have quantifiable stats to back me here. But one of the things I always try to look at uh, going into games like this are just whether or not teams are playing the right kind of game at the right time, whether teams are peaking. And so I have to say, Clemson has a lot of momentum coming into this one after their slaughter of the Buckeyes. I think what was the final? It was ridiculous. Yeah, who knows? 31 um, to nothing, I think. Yeah, that's right. That said, they're only one game removed from a seven-point win against trash Virginia Tech. And when I say trash, I mean all caps, bold, lowercase, trash Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, who lost to Butch Jones earlier this season. Uh, the Tide, meanwhile, seemingly has yet to peak, I feel like. Um, I tried to think back, and I, and I want your opinion on this. When is what is the best game Alabama has played this season? Because frankly, in my mind, it may be the USC game. We ran well, we passed well, and, and we had the defense there. Uh, I can think of many more where I didn't think all three components were there. You have thoughts? If I have a if I have to pick one, uh, USC was great, but they were trash then. Right. Uh, Tennessee was just an, uh, an unmitigated ass whipping, <laughs> and Tennessee, despite however they finished. And they are a victim of coaching. However, Tennessee has some players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't picked to be top ten because just people decided that. They have they had the goods. They just couldn't get coached. Uh, but to go in there and just beat the shit out of them, um, to me that was the peak. Now, have we? I mean, I think we've I think we've probably uh, diminished a little bit mm-hmm. since then. Uh, but is it possible to regain that form? Uh, yeah, I mean it. It has been there. I, I Clemson's good. Uh, are they a lot better than Tennessee? Are they a lot better than a lot of teams? We are they? Are they? You know, is Deshaun Watson better than Chad Kelly? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, so I, we, I think we peaked at Tennessee. Having said that, I think we are fully capable of peaking again. I would agree, and a belated censorship. Apologies to listener Lee, but frankly, that is the only way to sum up how we beat Tennessee. And I hadn't thought about that one because I wanted to beat them so much more, but that was probably the best performance we've seen from Jalen Hurts. Uh, Really, yeah, yeah, really, period right there. Uh, Yeah, but your takes are hotter than chicken pot pie, but let's move on to the game specifically. What should we look for, pal, when Clemson has the ball? Well, I'll give you more. Uh, As usual, it is setting up to be at least the Deshaun Watson show. Like you mentioned, he threw for four touchdowns against us in the championship game last year, but he's not Superman. And I expected him to carry that performance from last year's championship game into this year, and that's not been the case at all. Uh, Last week in their 31-0 route, there's the score of Ohio State, uh, your boy, I don't, my boy, I, nobody's boy. Deshaun Watson threw for only one touchdown and had two interceptions on the day. Uh, frankly, interceptions have been an issue for him the entire season. Uh, he, he's great. This is not to discount how good he is. Uh, he has 3,900 yards on the year and 37 touchdowns, which is kind of stunning. But he also has 15 interceptions in 13 games. Uh, and he's going to be going up against the number one defense in the country. Uh, no other playoff quarterback had more than nine. So, again, he's at 13. He tossed three in Clemson's lone loss, which came in November, worth noting, a late 
late home loss against the vaunted Pitt. What up, Petty? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and and has been picked at least once in all but four games. So that tells you really that uh, he's had multiple interceptions in multiple games. Uh, I think speaks well when you pair that with the opportunistic defense that thrives on non-offensive touchdowns. He's going to have to play at the level he did uh, in last year's championship game. And I want to take a quick aside because this is at least our last in-season podcast of the year. And I think I think everyone knows, including, and when I say everyone, it's, it's you, me, and listener Fred. But this nope. defense has just been so much fun to watch on a number of different levels. But one that I think has really stood out has been the way that they're ready to score in an instant. And it doesn't matter if it's a fumble or an interception, but immediately all 11 players on the defense turn toward the end zone and are ready to make whatever needs to happen happen to get the guy with the ball there. Um, you know, from Minka intercepting a ball against Arkansas seven yards deep in the end zone and immediately pointing toward the other end zone and asking for blocks. Uh, Marlon Humphrey celebrating as... Uh, as they ran down the field against Ole Miss and then did a somersault into the into the end zone and then did the same type of celebration uh, this past game. It's just been so much fun to watch this defense quickly turn around, swivel their heads, and, and get to blocking. So a little love fest I wanted to give there. Okay, okay enough about the love. Okay, all I'm- right, all right. Moving on. Uh, in addition to one Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Tide fans will want to keep an eye on Mike Williams who is Clemson's wide receiver that is projected as an early first-round draft pick, number seven, and he's a hands guy. If he gets one-on-one with you in a jump ball, he is going to win that. Uh, If I had to compare him to somebody, probably a Plexico Burris without the whole gunfire situation, we presume. It's hard to say. Um, but, But good size, some of the best hands in college football. He can make short and long catches. Uh, His intermediate game is iffy. When he's going to be weaving through the traffic that our defense presents will be interesting to see, and he will probably have some difficulty disengaging from that initial contact that I trust uh, Jeremy Pruitt will tell our, our defense to give him. What's scary here is that he is lined up against one Marlon Humphrey, uh, we have never doubted Marlon here. Never. Not a doubt in the world. No. Thank you. No, not here at Houndstooth Heroes Global Headquarters. Uh, not anywhere, really. But but Williams has two inches on Humphrey, and if Watson happens to throw one up for grabs, a la the Jake Browning fade pass mentioned earlier, uh, frankly, my money is not on Marlon to make the play. So that's cause for concern. And lastly, uh, I, I was watching last week, and one of the doofuses from ESPN was talking about a legget. I can't think of his name or number, but there's a legget on Clemson, and it got me a little frightful. Uh, I, I truly believe that Clemson watched O.J. Howard's use in the championship game last season and decided they wanted to do something similar. So they've taken to using their tight end in a much more prominent role this year. I think he could present a challenge to our coverage, similar to Ole Miss's 12th-year senior Evan Ingram, who has just made a career out of tin-horning our defense. Uh, I think hopefully Ruben is matched up against him and the guy gets nothing, but I think he could present issues. Gregory, talk to me. What are your thoughts here? I only have one thought. I had no idea you were going to bring up Evan Ingram, and by God, I can't I'm so stand sorry. 
I'm so this sorry. Is the end of our relationship. I can't stand you. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Evan Ingram has lit us up like a Christmas tree over and over again. And if they're going to do that, we could be in for a long ass day. Yes, agreed. And I thank you for that, for, for still talking to me after that. Uh, but now your turn. Why don't you tell me what to expect when Alabama has the ball? And, and just a simple yes or no here. Is the sky falling? Yes and no. Okay. If the offense played like last week, yes. Head for the bunker, boys and girls. But honestly, I don't think it will, and here's why. Uh, There's no doubt that Clemson's defense is completely stout. But uh, outside of last week, they have given up points. In every game against a good team except Ohio State, they were vulnerable on defense. They gave up 35 to Virginia Tech, 34 to Florida State, 36 to Louisville, and of all things, 42 to Pitt. Frankly, but frankly, the Ohio State, State shutout really didn't surprise me that much when I was watching Michigan State play Florida, Michigan play Florida in the Orange Bowl. I said, if this is what Ohio State needed overtime to beat, Clemson is going to run Ohio State, and they did. Ohio State just didn't have the weapons this year. Uh, they had a pretty favorable schedule and beat some teams that they maybe shouldn't have beaten. But even though the score was gaudy in the their semifinal, statistically, Clemson was not that dominant. Ohio State just does not have the weapons that Alabama has. Uh, people forget that we have the number one receiving core in America. Hell, sometimes I forget it because of how it's been used. But I don't think Clemson has seen a backfield like ours. Dalvin Cook at Florida State is a beast, but they don't have a Damian Harris and a Josh Jacobs to take up the slack for a Bo Scarborough, who out of the blue has become our go-to back. I don't know how that happened. But there are two glaring concerns, and we've talked about them a lot, it's the quarterback and the offensive line. Washington's defensive line blew us up last week, and Clemson's defensive line is better than Washington's. Uh, I would keep an eye on Clemson's freshman defensive end, Claylin Farrell, as a barometer for the game. Uh, pretty much he lived in Ohio State's backfield last year, I mean last week. and the kid was last five, year for the record. Yeah, exactly. Uh, kid is 6'5", 265, and he was a wrecking ball when he got back there. He had three tackles and was named the game's MVP. So, um, you know, there's 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 good and bad, but there's definitely cause for concern. Uh, you got thoughts? I got some thoughts. Uh, you mentioned Bo, and I just got to say, how about that? 180 yards. There are a couple of gorgeous TDs on his day. Although, if you watch, I think it was a, the 68-yarder, uh, he really <laughs> owes very little thanks to the blocking that he received on that one, other than our boy, Dita. Sprockets! Now was the now time that we, we danced. Dance. Oh, man. Just did that. Uh, now, Dita, you know, I, I can't insert enough white wide receiver-isms here. He's a gem rat, lunch pail guy, you know, just such a high motor. And his hair is hot as hell. Uh, his hair is solid and hashtag squad goals. Uh, oh. Dieter busted it down the field and made made the block that made the touchdown. But, yeah, if you watch that, the offensive line didn't really catch anybody. Uh, Ridley oh. didn't even get anybody. I think it was um, – Stardarius, who sprinted downfield, tried to get somebody, ended up not really relevant to the play, so that was cute. But our boy Dita made it happen. And then, uh, I don't know, just just thinking about when (coughs) Alabama has the ball, what to say about Hurts, we haven't already said. His production has fallen off kind of horrendously, really, since that. Well, not quite since that Tennessee game, because the next week we played Texas A&M, and he had... 
He had a solid day there, but uh, as far as his passing accuracy, it's been kind of nightmarish. Uh, but but all that to say, Chris Peterson had a month to get ready for him uh, compared to Dabo, who has nine days. And I've got to say, we won the Peach Bowl when Chris Peterson, again, had a month to prepare. And that's that's his type of game. He has made a career on surprising folks, on winning those games, on getting his team's minds right. So maybe Sark sort of works some magic here. Uh, I, I don't know what... Dabo is going to be watching, uh, but but if nothing else, I think we will have success, and I hope we continually return to running the damn ball. Righto. All right, so let's get on with it. The pick. This is not the hate of the week. Of the week of the week. Because, you see, there's only one game, and a hate of the week would be silly. But this is your chance to make things right, kids. Move back into the house with your significant other and maybe pay that water bill for once. Your tie is giving the Clemson Tigers seven points with a total of 54.5 points, which means the boys in the desert believe this game will finish at 31 to 24 in favor of the tide. But what say you, Ellis Metz? Who you hating? What you thinking? Give me a score. Oh, my sweet, sweet Gregory. <laughs> I hoped we would never come to this moment. But here uh, we are. You know, <laughs> I just want to—I just want to reflect for a moment because I was thinking about our 2016 podcast and our favorite moments. And at least one of us, but I, at least one of us, uh, predicted that the tide would have two losses this season. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, we didn't know what to expect from a defense that has been. Just a legitimate wonder of the world. Just one of the greatest college football units to ever watch. One of the most joyous uh, aspects of my life, frankly. It's been a real pleasure. That's big volumes, right? Volume. I know, I know. It's much. Um, but but all that said, I, I'm still debating on this because I didn't write anything down. I don't have any pre-thoughts. But I just... I'm not convinced we have the offense to win a national championship. Uh, in, in previous years, we haven't had to worry about our offense because we've had a Heisman Trophy winning or, or thereabout uh, running back who we knew how to use effectively. And we had made that our game plan, and the quarterback could do whatever, and it didn't really matter because we would run, and we would play defense, and it would all work out in the end. Uh, but I think we have not done a great job establishing an identity on offense really all season. It's ridiculous that it's January 9th and I'm still not quite sure. Well, it's not January 9th. The game is January 9th. Not quite sure what type of offense we really are or can be. I think there are legitimate concerns about Bo Scarborough. My my gut and also hashtag sources say that the reason we haven't made him RB1 from week one is just because he can't do the blocking. He can't do the the routes and the pass catching and uh, reads that you really need from that guy. And so that's why we've been playing Damien, who's been great, and everyone else. Uh, oh, man, I don't want to do this. But I think our defense keeps it a close game. I think they probably have more success than they did last year holding down Deshaun. I'm just not sure it's enough. I'm going to put us at 23 
21 tied taking its first ever national championship L. God. That hurt me, fam. <laughs> that hurt me deep. My God. Oh, wow. Okay. Talk to me. All right. Um, I'll start with the total. I like the under uh, 54 and a half for a whole lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a loud game in Tampa. No matter who has the ball, both teams are close uh, to Tampa, and both teams have vocal fan bases. It's a very small stadium, so the sound's going to carry. Loud games lead to disruptions on offense, which can screw both of us. Uh, so I don't think either offense hits 24 points. Um, and I agree with everything you said. And immediately after the Clemson game, I was absolutely sure that they were going to win this game after last Saturday. But now I'm not so sure. I had the opportunity to watch their game on YouTube. I watched our game on, on YouTube. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of spare time, bro. Um, I think Alabama's defense is the difference here. I think we do get at least one interception, maybe another one, and maybe notching another non-offensive touchdown. So with that said, and I'm, you know, I'm not even sure about this, but I think Todd pulls it out 23-20. 23-20. I like that. I assume that you can't possibly imagine Adam Griffith kicking a lot of field goals, so that's probably a missed PAT somewhere in there. <laughs> Exactly. I hope it doesn't come down to that. I will say quickly, one bit that gives me there there are multiple bits that give give me hope. I'm not convinced we're gonna lose, but I think, you know, that's that's my guess right now. Um you know, it's everybody says it's so hard to beat a team twice. And I think on the field, I well not on the field, but but by and large Clemson did beat us last year. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's an interesting... We talk about Adam Griffith, but uh, one well-placed onside kick from Poland Sausage and went home with a loser. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's good hope that our coaching staff learned as much from that as a loss would have taught us and and could come out just guns blazing, but uh, I have more concerns than I have confidence right now. Fair enough. Um, And I will finish up with one thing. Like last year, I think we have learned something. We have a new defensive coordinator, and we faced a lot of third and Kirby last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and third and Kirby has not been an issue this year. So I'm thinking, I'm hoping, I don't know, but that makes the difference. But anyway, that will do it for the Sark Week Championship Game Edition of Houndstooth Heroes, brought to you by Wild Bill's Wing Sauce and Druid City Brewing Company. Remember, you can check the website at houndstoothheroes.com. Found us on Facebook or on Twitter at H2Heroes. It's been a pleasure to do this entire season with you, my friend. Take us home. That it has, brother. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Y'all be good. Roll Tide.